Welcome to the High Action Podcast, everybody. I am one of your hosts, John Story, along with my cohorts in the New West Guitar Group, Will Brom and Perry Smith. And on today's episode, episode 37, season two of High Action, we are continuing with our origin series featuring Will Brom, William Abraham Steiner Brom, <laughs> right here. Wow. That's, that's a, right. That's a deep cut, man. I didn't The I didn't whole know name. That. Yeah, I, I know we're going to be revealing. We actually didn't reveal my middle name last week, by the way, for anyone who cares, it's Elmer. But um, anyway... Yeah, before we get started, I just wanted to remind our listeners uh, and, and thank everybody for being here. Uh, that This podcast is made possible this week by Radial Engineering, creator of audio solutions for recording studios and live stages from direct boxes to unique switchers and reamp devices. All of us in New West love the PZ Deluxe, the PZ Pre, the ABY Switcher. They are great, indestructible pedals. And if somebody's trying to take your guitar after a gig, you can throw one at them because it's, it's a solid block of steel. So thank you to Radial Engineering. Uh, for all of our listeners, be sure to check out www.radialeng.com. So uh, it's great to see you guys. Perry, how are things going on the East Coast today on this beautiful June day? Uh, they're going okay. But my, my voice, as you can tell, is is not doing yeah. so good. Uh, so I was I was supposed to lead this interview with Will. And right. it's probably not going to happen. I think he's relieved because he knows I have some tough questions. <laughs> Perry, can you do me a favor and say, have a good night? Can you just say that for me? <laughs> have a good night. Okay. No, we got to get some context here. This is great. This is a great way into your interview because this really gets into the psyche of Will Brom. Mm -hmm. We're literally somewhere in Southern Oregon on a tour years ago. And Will's, Will's trying to spit some game with the lady at the front desk after, after we're coming home from a a gig in this hotel and he walks by her thinking he's being all charming he tries using his batman voice and he goes have a good night <laughs> it's the creepiest thing that was creepy we've ever heard him say quite frankly that was creepy yeah you know we we sometimes really get an insight into who we really are when we go on the road with each other <laughs> especially Only in southern oregon yeah that's exactly right all right yes indeed or Sa winnemucca right well hey, oh that, boy save save yeah. that for my interview okay save that okay my... yeah <laughs> all right take it away john I, I... okay all right well again so the origin series you know it's fun to dive into a little bit of who we all are and um being that some of our listeners have never been to a New West Guitar Group show, unfortunately, and those who have maybe get to know us a little bit personally on there. But it was really fun last week. I got to talk about my background. And this week, a fellow Oregonian here, mm -hmm. my buddy Will Brom. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to dig in, Will. I mean, like we talked last week, the connection of just you being from the Northwest, I think, that there was always kind of like a thing that as a friendship that we had, that we kind of had the same background, had a similar teacher. And just mm -hmm. so our listeners can learn a bit, little bit more about you, could you share a little bit about kind of your earlier years in Portland and when you were in high school? I know you got into playing guitar really seriously around then and kind of share with everybody um, your how things kind of started off for you up there. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I actually didn't start playing guitar until eighth grade, but as far back as I can remember, I would like listen to my dad's records and like stare at the records while listening to it at like Prince's 1999 or the Ghostbusters vinyl. Mm -hmm. And of course, like watching music videos on MTV was huge. 
even older music videos. Like I remember I was fascinated with um, Dire Straits' Money for Nothing. Like that music video is wild. And when you're a kid, you're, you're just like intaking it. You're not even really processing it. So music, I was just always drawn to it. It was, you know, how, long before I ever played it. Um, my dad played guitar. My mom loved music, but she wasn't a musician and she yeah. can't hold a tune to save her life. But yeah. the music thing was just always there. And so that it just kind of swept me into hurtling face first into guitar. Yeah. Did you, when I'm just trying to think, you went to Franklin in Portland, Franklin right? Franklin High School. Yeah. Did, did you, were there some people there, your friends of yours that you got together with and jammed with on the weekends, jazz or otherwise at all? I mean, did you, because hmm. uh, I, I remember Franklin when I was in high school had had some great musicians there, and um, Grant High School, a lot of those schools in Portland, you know. But yeah, I'm curious who who were you kind of playing yeah. with when you were a teenager? I played in the jazz band sophomore year through senior year, yeah. And there was a couple other guitar players, but um, I wasn't necessarily very close to them. Um, my my band teacher, Jimmy Sowers, was always super supportive. I'm sure you guys can agree. Usually the band teacher is kind of like the savior of your school faculty and like yeah. will like open a practice room for you during lunch and you can just go in and shed. Yeah. Um, I did play in the Portland Youth Jazz Orchestra maybe the last two years of high school, and I think that was like Saturday afternoons, and I got to meet some really great players, some of which I'm still in touch with, and that was good for me, like, a real introduction into being out of school, going to rehearsal, setting up, reading, trying to sound okay, playing a couple gigs. Um, got to work with a great um, band leader named Derek Sims and also a little bit with Thera Memory. Uh, that, was, that was a big part of my early jazz development as in like the second half of high school. Yeah, PYJO and Ben mm -hmm. Medler, you know, all those mm -hmm. guys. I was in that band as well. It's such, you know, such a great, like we talked about last time, it was such a great place to grow up. And I know Perry too, like in San Francisco, being a, that was such a great place to be a teenager studying music, of course. Yeah, you know? yeah definitely. Yeah, and I'm also, you know, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, Will, when did you meet Ronnie Eshte? Mm. Did you seek him out in high school a little bit down here when you were kind of learning about L.A.? Or did you happen to kind of encounter him when you auditioned for Long Beach? Because, um, you know, Ron used to come up and do the Port Townsend workshop when mm -hmm. when Bud Shank was around and, and ran that. And that was where I met him. Um, but did you go to Port Townsend or something? Or did you meet Ron elsewhere? Or No, I didn't. Um, I met Ron. I was assigned Ron, or he was assigned me when I when I started at Cal State Long Beach. And it, yeah. um really glad that I got him because he filled in a lot of things that I didn't have, especially yeah. real knowledge and vocabulary of the great American songbook. Oh, he was really what I needed. I kind of came in with some technique and obviously being really into guitar and wanting to challenge myself by, by learning about jazz. Um, but he really, it, it was uh, it was divine fate that I was assigned yeah. to him. He was good for me. Yeah, and, and, and not to jump too far ahead there, too. In Portland, we both share, you know, we both studied with Dan Balmer. Mm -hmm. um, did you study with Stoll or Family or any of the other Portland guys when you were in high school, too, up there? I remember when I was young and my mom reached out to Dan Balmer and he said, Well, I'm too busy to take on younger students. Um, here's Dan Gildea's information. And Dan Gildea was teaching at um, Portland State University, I think. 
or Clackamas Community College or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. I think mm-hmm. what I would do is I think it was Wednesdays I would <laughs> take the Max down That's to PSU right. and study with Dan Gildea, and that was great mm-hmm. for me. He he introduced me to like you know classic albums like Blue Matter. He gave me assignments that were hard and scary. So he really got me started, and then I started going to Dan Balmer's gigs and would, I think he finally just obliged me and let me take a couple lessons yeah. at his gorgeous um, West Hills, Pacific Northwest place. So That's right. Yeah. That's right. Man, we just missed each other because I, mm. you know, I graduated high school in 02, so it would have been a few years later that you were doing it. It's funny, it's the same kind of routine. I was taking the Max downtown mm-hmm. to see. That's what you do in Portland. Him. That's what you do. That's why I didn't have to get a license until I was 19 because the metro up there was so easy you know, yep. and cheap. 15 yep. bucks the whole school year to ride mm-hmm. everywhere around on the Max. Well, you know, it's it's so cool that you ended up in L.A. And I, I can relate to the feeling of like being in Portland and counting the days it was raining and being like, I want to go as far south as I can go at, to get out of the rain mm-hmm. and study music or even east for that matter. Um, and... Uh, Long Beach, I'm curious, what was kind of the, one of the main deciding factors in you studying yeah. jazz at, at Long Beach? Uh, they offered me a good scholarship. That was definitely a big factor. Um, and my mom had some family in Long Beach, and it was close. Uh, it, was, it was a mix of convenience and a good-looking deal, honestly. Right. right. Um, and I, got, I had a good experience auditioning with Jeff Jarvis, who runs the jazz program there. Um, it, it was really smooth getting in there. Yeah. Did you, um, uh, with, in terms of your exploration and your study in jazz, like you said, Ron kind of helped fill in some gaps where you're learning songbook tunes, but you were already well under your way with your jazz journey by the time you got down here. Right. I mean, yes and no. I feel like I had such, I feel like I hadn't really imbibed any language at all. Right. It was more like I was looking at the box, but hadn't really unwrapped it. That's yeah. that's how I feel like when when I started college. Yeah. yeah, you know, totally. Yeah, yeah, and being down here, the energy here is so different. You know, and the, and the amount of people studying music here, you just mm-hmm. at one school, so. Yeah, man, that's cool. And I, I remember when we met, I think we've, I think actually, well, we talked last week about when we met, it was at Andrew Bailo's recital, but I actually think we really first met at that party that Chase Baird and everyone was having right. over at that house that they were all living in and we were jamming in the garage. Mm-hmm. You had your Epiphone Joe Pass, you know? Oh, yeah, um, Joe Pass. With that guitar. too. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's interesting, like, between that year, that would have been 2009 to about 2012, when, when we, you and I were get, doing some gigs around town and playing some duo gigs before New West, I actually remember you talking a lot about playing a lot with the pick and less with the fingers, mm-hmm. I think, because I used to do a lot of those kinds of gigs where I would, you know, play without a pick for an hour or two, and we were talking about that. And I'm, I'm curious to if you could share with the listeners a little bit about your technique there, leaning mm. more into playing with a pick. And and was that kind of a decision that at that time you were kind of making um, versus spending time really getting a lot of right hand stuff down? I'm just I'm always curious to kind of hear players perspectives on that. You know, I don't know if it was a conscious decision. I think I hadn't been demanded that much to do finger style. I there was there was no classical portion of right. guitar technique at Long Beach, you know, in right. a lot of ways, my undergrad, I had 
complete free reign, um, which could be good or bad, but it, it is what it is. And so, you know, I spent damn near 100% of my time playing with a pick or working out some strange little hybrid technique with some fingers. Um, and that's just yeah. the way I've come up. I came up starting with rock music, which is you just hold a pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah, not really a conscious decision. It just happened. Yeah. And then so, and then you were you graduated Long Beach in, what was it, 2012? or 2012. 20, 2012. And so at that point... Um, with your, you were, had studied a lot of jazz, you were working a lot around town and then you're kind of starting to lead some of your own groups mm. around this time. Right. And was that kind of one of your main objectives when you graduated school and, and doing some sideman stuff too? You know, right when I graduated, I fell into doing a lot of pit work mm. for companies like musical theater West. Um, and I got pretty burnt out on it pretty fast. Yeah. But it was also nice just having like, wow, I just graduated and I kind of seamlessly transitioned into like having somewhat of a full-time workload. That mm -hmm. that was a nice feeling, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like you took the quote-unquote training wheels off and it was just rolling just fine. Um, and I had started writing tunes here and there, um, but hadn't really been proactive about booking my own gigs or really doing anything like that. I think joining New West was a big eye-opener for me and in, in getting to see how you actually do that as mm -hmm. opposed to staying in the in the shed, yep. which I'm very comfortable doing to a fault, you know. So. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, we and we had a lot of discussions about that. I remember when you, 2015 rolled around, and uh, you and I were playing a little bit of some gigs and stuff, but I remember pitching to you the idea of joining New West because we, we needed – we were revamping the group, mm -hmm. and – talking a lot about contributing music to the group or how we kind of booked this and stuff and getting on the road. And, and yeah, 2015, that was a big road year for us. And you jumped mm -hmm. right into it, into that February tour. And, you know, um, yeah, what was that to share with the listeners? Mm -hmm. What was that experience a little bit like for you? And, and how did you see yourself not only as a new West member at that time, but also kind of going forward with your own thing, you know, that was what, seven years ago now. Yeah. I know. It was exactly what I needed was just to get out on the road and be forced to memorize a bunch of hard music and play it live. Right. It was it was kind of everything that I hadn't gotten to do. Yeah. Um, and it was a huge turnover. Those two years, I think they they it helped my playing a lot. It helped my focus. Right. So it was like literally exactly what the doctor ordered. Yeah, and we were talking a lot about playing acoustic guitar also. And I yeah. was just starting to bring the baritone. I had bought the baritone in 2013. And I was saying, like, the whole point with New West is we all share some guitars. And, mm -hmm. you know, and you, I remember you said, yeah, you know, I've got this Taylor. I'm working this out. So the acoustic guitar for you, like, you were playing a lot of electric guitar up till this point, And then, of mm -hmm. course, playing some acoustic in pit stuff when you were doing that out of college. But do you feel like since then and back looking back at that time, has acoustic guitar become more of a thing for you too with your totally. own music? I, right? I remember I had to play the acoustic rhythm part on Wrapped Around Your Finger. And on our first tour up in, uh, I think it was up in Washington, like we, you know, we were finally getting to rehearse in, in Washington um, after a couple of gigs. And you guys were just trying to like, well, all right, yeah, try the palm mute thing and like slap. It was just like, oh, yeah. shit. What was the right. first gig? Was it KPC? First no. gig Jimmy <clears throat> was Jimmy Max. Yeah. Jimmy Max. Which oh, is such man. a poetic full circle thing, right? And Remember, Carrie, your guitar didn't come? 
Oh my yeah. god, you're right. We had to use Dan's Dan's you Ibanez. Dan's I, you're the right. Man, yeah. These gigs, so much of this stuff just gets yeah. lost. But Jimmy Max is one of the greatest clubs that ever, you know, really, mm-hmm. especially in the Northwest. But we always struggled to get a good sound there. So I can't believe that that was your first gig with us. Cause On the Sans amp, no amplifiers either. We I mean, talk about amping? a different oh my experience. God. Oh my just yeah, completely this- different. Yeah, this, for those who are listening, the Sans amp we were using in New West, the Tech 21 Sans amp, which was a precursor to today's, you know, IR type of pedals like the Strymon Iridium. And we were really hell bent on the idea of going for that without amps because it's hard to travel with three amplifiers, you know, and it still is. But, you know, I'd love to take this opportunity to play for some of the listeners some of your music just to kind of mm. jump a little bit ahead. I know we're jumping around on some stuff, but you sound your acoustic sound is beautiful on this track. This is from your album uh, Venture Atlas, which came out in 2019. Was 2019? it 2019? Yeah, and this is a track called uh, Madrid on this mm-hmm. record. So, Perry, you mind striking it up over there? Yeah, here we go. That's our good buddy Catisse Buckingham. Catisse Buckingham the, on the flute, Mister. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dare say it, Ron Burgundy, of course. Yeah, jazz from, flute. Uh, jazz flute from from the movie Anchorman. But anyway, yeah, it's that's beautiful, man. And and so that record, um, what number record was that for you? Because you also did Homenaje before mm-hmm. that with that ensemble, and then I, I was trying to kind of read into how many records that you were in at that point with Venture Atlas. Venture Atlas, yeah, I did the Omanahe album in 2017, um, but Venture Atlas actually felt more like my first one, and I was in a time where New West was gigging a lot, and we were doing a lot of acoustic stuff, and even the way I recorded that record, there was kind of three guitars layered, so it was just like in my DNA to think about formulating an album that way. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting to listen back, because there's some things I hear... um, that that I not that I would do differently, but that I wouldn't do now with the way mm-hmm. that I like layered the acoustic guitars. Um, but that was my I had actually in college like tried recording two albums, and they they've never really seen the light of day. But you know, you kind of just go through that process of yeah. 
getting some cast together and going to a studio and being really nervous and hating everything that you're hearing and not even really being sure what you're doing, but you're still trying it. So I would, but I would call Venture Atlas like my second album. Cool. Um, and I was in a very acoustic mindset at that time. Yeah, you have a beautiful, there's a great take of A Life Twice Lived on that mm. record, which we've done in New West. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's cool to hear that version of it. Um, and then also, just to play really quick while we're doing some listening for everybody, so you played recently over at the Potato, um, Big mm-hmm. Potato for those who are not in L.A., and um, did an album release with uh, the great drummer Jimmy Branley, right, for mm-hmm. his trio album called The Meeting. The Meeting, and, yep. And this is Ahmet on bass, Ahmet Turkmangalu. Yeah. Ahmet is on bass, Jimmy's on drums, uh, and myself on guitar, and this is a tune of mine that I wrote uh, that is on the album, and it's called Presume. Nice, let's hear it. Nice, man. That sounds great. Yeah. And I can't Very wait to raw. S- yeah, sure, sure. And your sound on that, too. So are, is that your Strat or your Les Paul? It's my good old Stratocaster. There you go. So that's kind of been the hang for you recently. You've been leaning more into that sound electrically with the Strat. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. Um, it's been just a, a contrast is the word I would use, you know, mm-hmm. that in a single word, contrast. Yeah. Um, and and it's helped invigorate some some youthful fun exploration mindset. Yeah, I mean, what a, that's that's killing man. Your sound is is awesome on there. And you know, just to talk also in addition to these leader groups that you're doing too, uh, can you share with everybody some of the sideman projects that you're mm. working on? And um, uh, I know you've been using a Strat. I've I've seen some pictures and stuff of you playing with Arturo playing that Strat too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been with Arturo Sandoval since 2019. Um, the most interesting thing about that gig is that I had never had a band leader be so adamant about saying like, turn up Mm. like my (laughs) whole life. I've been told to turn down. Yeah. Um, 
And and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but me coming up in college, playing in the big band, rehearsing three days a week, it's just like, turn down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That just seemed like the general vibe. Like, don't be, don't be that guitar player. Yeah. None of us wanted to be that guitar player. But it's someone like, like Arturo, who's so over the top in all the best ways, is just like, turn the fuck up. Like, he had to pull me aside kind of early on, be like, he, he, it was really funny. He was just like, please don't play like West Montgomery. Don't like just turn up. And I was like, okay. And then we went downstairs. And I literally just kicked on my distortion pedal. <laughs> and like yeah. that, that was that. So that's cool. sometimes I want to tell a tenor player, you know, you should really be more felt than heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 or some drummers. Or drummers. You know, the drums yeah. should really be more felt than heard. How many times yeah. have we heard that as guitar players? Man. It is an interesting symptom of being a guitarist in jazz. It's a yeah. completely different mindset than being a guitarist in rock music. That's true. Right? Yeah. Just completely. So yeah. that's been that's been great for me. And it's and it's allowed me to embrace some of the stuff that I loved about guitar, especially when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah, well, totally. And sideman gigs, like as we all know, like oftentimes they they force you into a different way of playing than you would play as a leader. You know, I mean, which we're always mm-hmm. challenging ourselves in leader situations. But you know, I can imagine with Arturo because he's such a high octane player and his you know shows very energetic and he's got a lot going on. So playing a lot of lead guitar on that mm-hmm. would definitely be like, all right, here we go, going to take it to take it to 10 so that's cool man what other what other sideman stuff yeah. are you doing right now that people can check you out at locally or abroad yeah locally so i play in gordon goodwin's big fat band and uh, we'll actually be at the hollywood bowl on june 26th which oh, is yeah, exciting that's right. nice uh i have yet to have played there and um that's going to be happening i do i do a, a lot of gigs with singers also a lot of duo gigs as as we all do i mean accompanying singers is one of one of the great things about being a jazz guitar player because you get to be the orchestra, mm-hmm. as Ron Day would say. Um, so I do a lot of sideman work. I've recorded an album with a singer named Leah Booth, who's a really wonderful jazz yeah. singer I like working with. Um, yeah, she's. But awesome, in man. general, I've actually it kind of since COVID, my my, I've made more of an effort to not do as many accompanist gigs for singers, but more just trying to like put my own sound a little more out out front mm-hmm. right like the clip at the baked potato so that's been more of what i've been focused on cool yeah that's great man and so just you know to kind of wrap this up again um yeah it's great to you know the origin series is fun i know we've all been looking forward to to talking through each other and sharing a little bit of our own personal stuff um for those out there uh who are listening where can people tune into you and and follow you on all the places will well, you can follow me on Spotify. Will Brom will be there with a little blue tick next to my name. So feel free to stream away. You can always follow me on Instagram. Uh, will Brom would be the name. And those are probably the best two places. You can try to buy something on iTunes, but I don't think iTunes actually lets you purchase any music anymore. So just go on Apple Music and stream some Will Brom on there too. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Well, man, well, this is great to get to uh, to to do our origin series for you, Will. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're next up. We've got Mr. Perry Smith, who today was a little bit on vocal rest. Um, yeah, vocal hope, rest. Hope, you, hope you're feeling better. You know. 
I want to wear a sign around my neck somewhere that I'm on finger rest, you know, because yeah. like as a guitar player, you know, those fingertips that can really hurt. Vocal finger rest. Finger Vocal rest. rest. Wow, yeah. yeah. Vocal just rest. Just sit there and just do this all day. Yeah. So, sorry, <laughs> yeah. my, my fingers are on finger rest. Uh, I'll yeah. be, I'll but be anyway, ready for I'll be ready for next week. And the season finale is coming up. We've you know, we've got only what, three more episodes left, right? Yeah. Until we wrap yeah. on the yeah. second season. So Thank you That's to right. everyone who's been sticking with us and all our Patreons. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. Building, building the community for us, so thank you. That's yeah. right, and you know what? The weather is getting hotter, so don't forget to wear your high-action T-shirt to the beach, and you can oh, get man. those on the Spring Store. Uh, if you're coffee drinkers like all of us and have a pulse, then go get yourself a coffee mug. They're great. I just was using mine this morning. And, um, yeah, so we've got to give those pitches out there, too. But for sure, follow us over on Patreon and keep reaching out to us. We, it's been great. We've actually been chit-chatting with a lot of people on our socials and stuff. So reach out to us. We appreciate everybody tuning in. And, um, yeah, and, and for next week, uh, we'll get right into Mr. Perry Smith. What's, mm-hmm. what, size, what size do you wear for that high-action T-shirt? I'm, a, I'm like a double X with that well, one. Yeah. Probably a large. Man, I think I gotta I think I gotta level up to the large. I got the medium. And someone told yeah. me the other day, they're like, it's a little too tight. I'm like You don't wanna yeah. you don't wanna be that guy's in the, the shirt that's too tight, you know? Not not no. not a good look. You you don't? I don't know. I I, I, I don't know. I Dude, don't that's the so. that's a story of my life. I'm a big guy, man. Every shirt's tight. You know? We gotta work on your normal core <laughs> attire, Perry. We gotta get you like some black chucks and like a big dark green earth tone shirt and like some brown corduroy pants. I'm wearing a good good medium shirt, but that high action, that nice white shirt, just after you wash it, tightens up and yeah, I'm, I'm high and tight, just like how you like your hair, right? I'm yeah. I, just, I think I'm doing too many push-ups. That's my problem, man. I don't know. Okay. I think we've done enough promo for the shirts, but I, you know, I thought I, I thought I would say yeah, that's good. This is good. It's good promo. I for need the to shirts. get another one. I'm gonna go large. I think there's a tote bag on there too. I think there's a hoodie. Actually, the hoodie is my favorite. The hoodie is my favorite for sure. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's high quality stuff. You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, be sure to tune in there. And thanks, you guys. And we'll be uh, we'll be right back with you next week. And don't forget check out all the other stuff. Season two, we covered a bunch of topics for guitarists. In season one, we interviewed all the best guitar players we could get our 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 uh, Zoom cameras on with. So be sure to check those out. (laughs) All right, see you guys next week. Thank you. All right, have a good night.